Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the program where we measure out our lives in picture postcards and discover the mysteries of the messages written on the back of them. Each time, I'm delighted to welcome to the studio a pair of guests, and it's their postcards that act as a connection between our everyday lives and untold memories and stories. I'm Tom Jackson, and today my guests are the neuroscientist Professor Sophie Scott and the actor Matthew Horn. Matthew and Sophie, hello and welcome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Sophie Scott is Professor of Cognitive Neuroscience at the Institute of Cognitive Neuroscience at UCL, University College London. You've probably spotted Sophie on the media talking about brains and speech and laughter and language and the complex relationships they have between them. You might have seen her on a TED Talk or even seen her performing neurologically accurate stand-up. But perhaps most recently, you'll have enjoyed the televised 2017 Royal Institution Christmas Lectures. Sophie arrives with a postmark from Blackburn in Lancashire. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sophie, do you still send postcards? I do, actually. I literally bought a couple on my way in this morning. I saw a couple of postcards and I thought, oh, I know who'd like those. And you're going to send them? I will send them, yeah. And what are they of? Um, there was one, it's an image of, oh, this is how unartistic I am. I know it's about a famous painter, but it's a, a human head, but it's all made up of bodies. And it's a, some sort of etching. And oh. then another one of a, a sort of rather terrifying looking deer skeleton, which is sitting on a chair. Looks a bit human. So your taste is in the, in, in the macabre <laughs> <or> grotesque. <laughs> I have friends I want to frighten badly, yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. <laughs> Matthew Horn is a hugely popular actor, specialising in comedy. Uh, he doesn't really need much of an introduction. You'll be well aware of how, after playing a series of comedy roles on television, notably with Catherine Tate, he was catapulted to fame in Gavin and Stacey, a genuine TV phenomenon, uh, ten years ago now, uh, playing the lead role of the wide-eyed Gavin. And that led to his own sketch show with James Corden and the Brits and a film and a boatload of hoo-ha. And he has since lent his edgy, mercurial presence to countless films and TV shows, parts ranging from the vulnerable to the more than slightly terrifying, including recently recreating young Mr Grace in Are You Being Served? And another of his gifts to the world, the toe-curling headmaster Fraser in Bad Education. Matthew arrives bearing a Nottingham postmark. Matthew, when did you last send a postcard? Mercurial's nice. I like mercurial. <laughs> That's a good word, isn't it, Sophie? I like that one. Um, I send postcards uh, very regularly, actually. Um, 
at the end of every job, be it theatre, film or television, people give each other gifts to thank each other for being great colleagues. And I decided a few years ago to stop buying postcards and actually buy rubber stamps and ink and blank postcards and personalise my own postcards because there is a certain element to my personality which is uh, both tight and uh, obsessive. <laughs> so what, what's on the rubber stamp? Well, I've got various. I've got quite a few. Really? If, if, if I'd have known we were talking about it, I would have brought my whole box of rubber stamps in. There is actually very near to here, near the British Museum, a rubber stamp shop. You may think, be aware of I it. I think I've seen it. Um, and uh, it is like rubber stamp porn. <laughs> am I allowed to say that? I think I'm allowed to say that. Well, that's actually uh, the, the next podcast we're making is, is, is rubber stamp porn. But, uh, <laughs> I think there's a niche for that. I've actually copyrighted that, so I'll be hosting that myself. Thank you very Perfect. much. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Let, it, let us know when it's available. I'll, I'll speak for a friend. <laughs> Sophie, you specialise in looking at language and communication. Do you see any particular neurological characteristics in postcard writing? Um, only really the main thing, which is that desire to communicate, to, to, to actually touch somebody with words you want them to hear. And there's something kind of beautiful about the different ways humans will try to find to do that. And postcards are almost perfect in that respect. It's just, it's, it's incredibly short. I love it when you get a postcard where somebody's cramped in loads of different messages. They've written all across the address bit. They had so much they wanted to tell you, but somehow they didn't quite make it into a letter. You know, they still wanted it to be on a postcard because it, it is that thing. It is that place and time as well as the message. So there's, it is, it is interesting that in humans, the ability and the desire to communicate with each other almost supersedes everything else. If you look at communities where there's a very reduced number of people who speak a particular language, like you get quite often in the sign language community, there'll be examples of, you know, 17-year-old boys who will walk 30 miles to have a conversation with a 68-year-old woman because they happen to both sign the same language. And that's the result in itself. That's an end in itself. They're not going to... There's no other outcome from that interaction other than that it can happen. It's so rewarding and so pleasurable. And it's, it's absolutely one of the core features of being human. I think also it's quite interesting that you are very limited uh, in a postcard as to how much you can say. As you were saying, you know, it's often scrawled all over the address, the, the area where you're supposed to put the address. So you really have to think about uh, how what you want to say and how you're going to say it as succinctly as possible, mm. not unlike Twitter in many ways. So, yeah, I, I agree. But I think when you're <laughs> writing a postcard... Because it's a it, it's an analog process. You're actually using a pen and a pen and pencil. Going from, that first few words that you write set the path. If you've got small writing, yes. you're going to have to write a long message. If you start with yeah. a big <laughs> scrawl, you might get away with a couple of sentences. It's, it's a neurotic minefield, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's your next paper, uh, Matthew. You mentioned how you you, you moved, uh, frankly, moved on from postcards to rubber stamps, but. As an actor, you move around a lot. Act acting is it can be a nomadic profession in part. Yes, it is. Is there a kind of trail of postcards somewhere that you've sent from all your journeys? Um, well, I suppose, uh, yeah, when, when I'm in the theatre, often what you do is you either tour before you go into the West End or you do previews in, in cities and it's nice and quaint and very English to send postcards to family and friends back in London ahead of you returning to London. 
as I said, I do it sort of for on job to job and sort of customise my postcards myself for the individual. So if I particularly liked an actor that I worked with, they'll get one of my really good rubber stamps. <laughs> and if there was somebody who was a bit of a bad egg, they'll probably just get the, the Snoopy one I bought off eBay. Well, it's very important, and, and, and at least <laughs> now, very important. Yeah, your friends now understand where they uh, where they are on the pecking order, thanks to the rubber stamp. Particularly, yeah. if they received the Snoopy one. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we see and hear the cards that uh, Sophie and Matt have brought along, uh, I'll just give a quick card of mine. This is, of course, a postcard from the past card, um, like I do on Twitter and in my very reasonably priced book. Um, it's an old card from which I've selected a part of the message. So this card is. Um, well, can you describe it for me? Um, it's of a Scottish piper uh, on Princess Street um, with the Edinburgh Castle in the background and it looks like it's probably sometime in the 80s. Early 80s maybe? Yeah. And sort of inset is a little picture of, uh, of a Scottish thistle. <laughs> and he's wearing some sort of dress tartan. I can't give you the... Yeah, I wouldn't know um, the tartan. I, there was a time when I would have been able to tell you that. But yeah. Um, yeah, um, I think maybe it might be later in the 80s because the inset of the thistle is is sort of showing off about the advancement of Photoshop. <laughs> the message we've chosen from this, um, this is from a, a, a correspondent called Deborah, and it's sent to Essex, and the message is, I think I'll put the thistle up his kilt. <laughs> so... I mean, really, Edinburgh has many things on offer. But I mean, it, she's she's got a point. Um, I adore boom, boom. I uh, adore Scotland. Uh, I consider myself um, a Scotophile. It's my favourite country in the world. I have some ancestry there. Although um, my least favourite thing about Scotland is the bagpipes, so <laughs> I, I know where she's coming from. Yeah, well, arm yourself with a thistle, you'll be all right. <laughs> Another quick one, just before we get onto the proper cards. This is a card of... It's a Lakeland view. Oh, it's North Wales, in fact. North Wales. Very kind of bleak view, quite pretty, if you like that kind of thing. Not, hang on, not cricket. No, no okay, I don't know. I wouldn't dare pronounce that word. No. Knicht? Yes. Sounds... Not enough vowels. No, I don't know what that is. Do you know? No, I don't. No. Well, anyway, it's, it's a slightly bleak image. But the message from um, M, M, Emma, Emily, it's of its time. Duran Duran concert was great, but sadly, Kajagoogoo have split up. <laughs> If there was ever a time for a bleak postcard, it was that day. Yeah, that day, that day. <laughs> we all thought Kajagoogoo were just going to go on and on. For the ages. Yeah, didn't happen, didn't happen. Maybe they split up because they were playing in the middle of nowhere in North <laughs> Wales. Yeah, it was already, the writing was on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> on that little bridge with a stream underneath it. Look, there's Limal. Uh, look, I should remind those of you listening to the podcast that images of all the cards we discussed today are on the website and you can see that we're not making this up. Now, Sophie and Matt, you've been kind enough to come on to the studio today bearing postcards of your own. Sophie, would you like to share with us the first card that you brought? So the first card that I brought is a picture of the Medical Centre Library. Sorry, the main entrance of the Medical Centre Library. <laughs> nice. In the CDG Mud Building at Duke University, Durham, North Carolina, in the US. And it was I can to me... see why you brought it. 
It was sent to me by a colleague, <laughs> and a neurologist I work with called Alex Leff. And uh, he actually said, I saw this and I thought of you. Oh. <laughs> I am synonymous with libraries in medical centres. But you, um, I mean, joking aside, that you must be very familiar with buildings like this all the yes, time. This is, this yes. is the academic world, isn't it? And I love it, actually. That it does actually, this is genuinely, I would have bought that postcard. I do love, he is exactly right. This is exactly the sort of thing I like to look at. And the sort of beauty of that 1960s academic uh, design and the the sweeping majesty of the suspended ceilings and the um the books there. That's a well funded library. Yes, it is. That's going to be a rich university, I suspect. Some um, of the hues in it also match your jumper. I don't that's true. That yeah, I'm sort of very sort of burnt very, orange yes. slash ochre. Yes. Intrinsically. Can I get a copy of that actually? Can, <laughs> you, can I get a copy of this picture? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just great. It's just a coincidence that you've got the same one. That's what yeah. killed me. Couldn't <laughs> believe it. It, lo- it reminds me, I'm assuming this is sort of late 50s, 60s architecture. It reminds me of my home, which is the Barbican. Mm, of course, and yeah. it looks quite yeah. like yeah. the uh, foyer of the Barbican. It does, doesn't it? It's got that same sort of everything slightly off. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Who's it from? How, from? how did it get to you? It's from a neurologist called Alex Leff. And Alex and I had been researching... Um, Oh gosh, what did we first do together? We were doing brain imaging, which is taking photographs of the brain at work. And we also started working together with patients. So we were working with um, patients who'd had strokes and had difficulty reading following the strokes. And we were doing research looking at their how you could help people recover from that. And he kind of went off. And that's actually now the main thing he does. He does a whole kind of world of rehabilitation and neurology. And I kind of went from that into the more languagey side and, and sort of emotion and voices side of things. So this was kind of probably towards the end of the time when we were working together, but it was, um, I th- I'm fairly certain that he had sent it to me to, to be funny right. because he would have considered it to be the sort of building that I like, but he's, 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 being, he's joking with me that I like it. But you've so, kept it. Why have you kept that? I try and keep postcards when I can do. I mean, the kindest word you could use to describe that is I'm trying to keep postcards. What you could also describe it as is, is maniac hoarding. You know, there is also that. I, I'm not in a position so, to comment. So my friends on Facebook periodically say things like, man alive, why have you still got that? You know, look, I've got this uh, this ticket from a gig I went to in 1983. And they're like, why would you still have it? That's mad. I'm like, is it mad? I think it's quite normal to me. So, you know, I, I, there's a spectrum and there is a spectrum. I'm hard at the far end of keeping too many things, of which one of which is postcards. And is it something you look at or is it in a box? I keep a file of correspondence. I couldn't think where I put all my postcards when I was looking for this, and I realised I'd, I'd chuck them in with all the people with views about Europe. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> or so how the brain really works. Friendly stuff and all... less friendly yes, stuff. Who, yes. who writes to you? Um, people who want brain help. Sometimes it's people who disagree strongly with something that's been broadcast. You get, you get a lot less of that, actually. You, there was a time when if you went on Radio 4 Science Now and talked about anything, you would get a lot of angry letters from people. Welcome to my and, world. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah, I can, um, <laughs> and more often eye. now, you, you get, I, I get them from people who want to tell me about something like I've got this thing, you know, or um, I've got an amazing one about how dogs can read minds. <laughs> so that's, that's where I have them. So that's, that's where all my postcards live. Oh, very good, very good. Oh, I'm glad you kept it. I think it's a good image. I think it's uh, it captures a certain kind of uh, fluorescent moment mm. in academic life. Yes, yes. The lights would kill me after a while, I think. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So Matt, mm-hmm. again, I think we're staying slightly in the professional realm here with your first card. Mm-hmm. What have you got for us? I've got um, a postcard, uh, which is a a painting by a Polish painter. Anyway, the painting is called Stansik, and it's by a man... Oh, this is... Tell me about the painting. (laughs) The painting uh, depicts a uh, a jester in 1862, what looks like sort of backstage after performing for the, I suppose, upper classes. And he has quite a depressed, haunted look about him. Um, and he's, he's got a whole jester's outfit. Yeah, he's, thing, he's in red and he's got the pointy jester hat and discarded on the floor is, uh, I don't know the technical term, but um, I think jesters used to have a sort of small carbon copy of themselves in like puppet form on a stick. Sophie, do you know the name of it? No, no, I'm, I'm thoroughly agreeing okay. with you. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, and that's discarded on the floor, and um, in the background you can see everybody continuing the party, and he's sort of slumped in the chair after having done his skit. It's difficult to tell whether it's gone well or not, but he's clearly not had the best of gigs. It's gone though, isn't it? He's he's given something because he's wiped he's, out. He's given. He's given his all by the looks of it, and now he—it looks like something that uh, he does every day, and is somewhat of a thankless task. Now, you're an actor. Yes. You work in comedy. Yes. Is the connection too 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 close here, or um, it, why have you got it? I why, think why? it's a bit of a. I think it's too much of a cliche to suggest the, that there is a, a sad clown element to my. Uh, appreciation of this painting. Um, I did a play last year called The Miser at the Garrick Theatre with the comedian uh, Lee Mack, who I um, didn't realise was quite an art aficionado. And we talked a lot about art when we weren't um, doing the acting. And um, this, I, I showed him this painting and we sort of mutually fell in love with it. Um, it does look a little bit like him, and <laughs> but we connected with this painting and I bought this postcard for him, but I also bought myself a copy. 
And actually it went further that we both actually got reproductions made by a chap in Chiswick. And where did you come across the card? You introduced it to Lee, but you An ex-girlfriend of mine showed me the image and oh. she said, this reminds me of you. <laughs> it's the, the, the fact that she's an ex is completely unrelated. <laughs> uh, she knows how much I love painting or paintings. I, I don't paint. I like paintings and the reason I like paintings is because I can't do it. But it's, it's a great picture because it's a picture with... With a, a story. story. Yeah. It's meant to have a story. The story is, is, is all captured in there, but you've kind of given it layers of other meaning. Well, I mean, I think that's all art, isn't it? That, you know, it speaks to, to the individual in different ways and you create your own stories and um, uh, apply your own connections to it yeah. um, or, or not if you don't like a piece of art, if, this, if it does nothing for you, for example, but this painting does quite a lot for me. And where's the original? Do you know? It's in the National Museum in Warsaw. Are you going to have to do a trip there? Um, yes, I would love to see it in the flesh, um, but I do have a very good copy at home. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother? Although it did Why probably bother? cost a, a lot more than a flight to Warsaw. Yeah, so. yeah. city break to Warsaw. Yeah. yeah. The thing it made me think of, and in addition, with the, there's the whole sad pound issue, but also there's just that kind of the effort in performance, the amount of work that live performance actually takes. If you're out on a stage doing things where an audience all agree to shut up and then you have to go with that, you can fill that space with what you do is, and I'm not saying it's like war, but it is unbelievably tiring. It is, and uh, arguably uh, in comedy more so because you have one remit and that is to create laughter yeah and you know there hasn't been laughter you know (laughs) yes and and uh, that that is your kind of priority and that is your fundamental aim Mm. when you're doing comedy and I would argue that it is a lot harder to make people laugh than it is to make them cry Mm. Uh, so being a comic can be, as is depicted in this painting, an exhausting thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, as you say, it's it's not war, but, but it's, it can I, be exhausting. The other thing it made me think of is people's surprise when comedians aren't like that all the time. <laughs> the, the, and the thing you always hear, or, you know, people always... Is it, my people are always sort of shocked and upset to discover Morecambe and Wise didn't live together. Yes, you know, yes. Like, what? Yes. Um, but if there's any kind of indication that there's not this, like, jazz hands, people are sort of terrified and frightened but because it can't be that's yeah uh, it's the same it's the same with with uh, actors as well you know i mean most people that approach me in the street expect to meet gavin yeah um and that i landed on the earth in billericay age 27 (laughs) and speak like him and and have his personality and it's not the case you know and that can be quite difficult for people to process. I don't mean that to sound condescending in a way, because it's perfectly understandable that if, if you're in your that you're if you're in their living rooms on the television mm. being a certain thing, and that's what they expect you to be. I understand that. But um it can often create a bit of friction when you mm. disappoint them <laughs> because you're not that person. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? It doesn't matter how hard you try. Yeah, yeah. Well, all this has bounced out of a little card from a museum in Poland that um has captured your imagination. That's terrific. Thank you, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Um, something far less uh, serious, really. A little card of mine, quickly. Um, Solva. Do you know Solva in Wales? No. Has a very nice um, woollen mill there. That's what I recall. 
Did Kajagugu play there as well? <laughs> Is that on all ill-fated <laughs> last tour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Um, very, very acrimonious, I understand. So this, this one is from uh, Hazel and Family. And um, our accommodation is dreadful and the area round about isn't very interesting. <laughs> uh, My aunt sends postcards like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Hazel. It's not like the English to complain. No, uh, exactly, exactly. Um, I suppose it's... Just saying it like it is. Yeah, 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 sure. Well, you're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. My guests today are Professor Sophie Scott and Matthew Horn. Sophie, what is the second card you have for us today? Uh, the second card is a picture of a, a monkey. This is, the card just says Mons. It's from the town of Mons in so Belgium. It's not a real monkey. No, it's a brass monkey. And it just says Le Sange de Grand Guard. I think it says it's in the town square. And it's quite famous in Mons. You go and touch the monkey's head, you can see the head's all shiny and it's mm. supposed to bring you good luck. That sounds um, rude, but anyway. Exactly. Yeah, it is. I mean, the whole thing's quite odd. And the background is that back at this is from the 1980s, it's from 1988. And a couple of years before this, you know, I lived in Blackburn and we lived in Blackburn because my dad was in the carpet trade. He sold carpets, works for a carpet factory. And he lost his job and was made redundant and had to take a job as a salesman in London. So he was commuting between Blackburn and London. And my mum, who'd only gone to Blackburn because my father's job was there, and hated it. She was from Essex and she loathed Blackburn. She didn't like Lancashire in general and she disliked Blackburn in particular. She was like, <laughs> why am I here? You are in London, what's going on? And she worked for us, she was a state school teacher and she realised that she could take a job with the state schools that the army runs in Europe and work abroad and not lose her pension. She wanted to work abroad. If she took another job, she'd have lost her pension then. So this is what she did. So she applied for and got a job in an army school near Mons in Belgium. It's shaped the supreme headquarters of Allied powers in Europe. It's a, it was the big bunker for the European Parliament, I think. Right. There's a big nuclear bunker in the middle of it. So within like a year, my parents had suddenly relocated from Lancashire and were now commuting with my dad continued commuting back and forth from London but was going between Belgium and this is the first card that she'd sent when she first moved out right there. so this is this is the one yeah. as she starts to settle so she's just she's literally and she's she's bringing news of Belgium we've never been you just didn't know anything about what it. news of Belgium, about the news of Belgium. Well, it's it she says it's true about the muscles went to a restaurant during the week which is two amazing things restaurant during the week and people were eating them by the bucket almost literally exclamation mark um, people touched this monkey's head. I can't remember why. <laughs> love, love, mum. And that was, and in fact, they never came back. They, my dad retired out to Belgium, and then they started like tooling around Europe. It was like a, it was the, you know, we were fully part of the European community, and you could easily do things. They bought a house in France. My mum got promoted really quickly in the army and ended up in Hong Kong. And then they were living out in Hong Kong for a few years and then retired from there back to France. So that was only very recently. But that captures a moment when yeah. they were heading off on this kind of European adventure. And no idea where it was going. It was, it was, you know, mm. We were all just like, well, she's, she's what? <laughs> my mum's run away from home. What a brilliant to thing to do. Army. It was amazing. My mum's a self-actualizer. She's like, well, what's the best I can make out of this situation? I don't want to lose my pension. Got this skill. Right, OK, off to bed. And as I say, having toodled along in schools in the UK did amazing. Amazingly well in the army system. This card has been uh, with you some time. I can see it's very battered. Yes. Is this another one in the box? No, this, is, this isn't a no, work this one. one. This is a home different. one. Yeah, this is. Uh, I've got a, a chest of drawers at home. One lower drawer of which is uh, my 
the hellhole of Pogues tickets from 1984 and things like that, and postcards. So I had a really enjoyable afternoon uh, rootling through that and found this one. Excellent. And that's going straight back in the drawer. Yeah, nice that and will safely. go. That's a special one, yeah. Catches a moment. That's really good. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that with us. Touch the monkey's head. There you go. <laughs> Hey Matt, what's your second card you have for us? Um, well, this is pulled from my drawer, also of Pogues tickets and Kajigugu <laughs> tickets. This is a postcard of the South Downs in Sussex. Lovely. And there are one, two, three, four, five images of the South Downs. And it is from a guitarist called Martin Noble from the band British Sea Power, who oh. are my favourite band of all time. And <laughs> Sophie likes yes. them too. And... Uh, They've been my favourite band for uh, a long time and because of being on the telly, I've been fortunate enough to be able to meet them and they've sort of become friends. And this postcard says, Hi Matt, spring has sprung, please enjoy, kiss Martin. And this was accompanying a preview copy of the album Machineries of Joy, which Spring Has Sprung uh, is a song that features on. And the band themselves are very unique, um, almost like a cult band, if if your listeners don't know them. I, I suppose a sort of theme band. So they, they explore nature and Englishness and the military. And so I suppose sending old postcards is part of their shtick. Mm-hmm. Um thing that I, I, I know them much less well than you know I've always really enjoyed their work and they seem to speak to this kind of as a scientist I really love their kind of like link to that imagery from really geeky nerdy sort of 1950s 60s technical things like reel-to-reel tapes and grundigs and just the appearance of if I go into the anechoic chamber at UCL it looks like it could come from a video that they've made and I love that kind of connection yeah um, and they you know they that they very much have sort of done their own thing for, gosh, it must be getting on for 20 years now and stuck by it. And, yeah. you know, even when you see them now, the stage is still covered in stuffed herons and owls and yeah. and uh, branches. And, and they have a very cult following and they sort of speak to... I mean, it's a very male following, unfortunately. <laughs> There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of old men. How did how did your paths cross then? How did you um, make contact with them, or they make contact with you? I think I probably just tweeted them, yeah, and then they invited me to shows, and then became friends. And you know, I have tattoos of their artwork on my body and things like that. This is, this is serious. Oh, yeah, I'm one of the... You didn't just go for a rubber stamp. You went <laughs> no, for the no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I have, um, sadly, have a, a, a lot of tattoos and two of them are of British Sea Power. It probably sounds a little bit like I'm showing off, like I know people in bands, but it's like... It does, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, let's leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of worse things to show. Exactly. If no, I, mean, I was friends with British Sea Power, I would mention yeah, it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I'd be wearing like a an army style jumper right now with an epaulette. Yeah, well, I mean, people yeah. people used to do. I mean, I, I have a photograph of me <laughs> dressing up in whatever the uh, you know the um, sort of armies in Europe or probably mm. armies here. They would wear a certain thing to do their exercise in. Yes. Oh, yes. like a. Yeah. So I, fa- I managed to find in some sort of army surplus store 
I kind of had a sort of Slavic PE kit for the army <laughs> <laughs> and with a, little, with a little hat and a blue T-shirt and shorts. And I remember going to a gig in Brighton. Uh, there may have been alcohol involved, I don't know, holding a branch and, you know, <laughs> and there were other people there waving branches and wearing all this sort of uh, old army surplus stuff. And uh, Yeah, it sounds like a mystical experience. It can be, yeah. 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 The the thing that it also makes me think of is there's I think because if you're in the behavioural sciences in the UK, mm. a lot of what we do arose out of research that came out of applied research mm-hmm. around the army, the navy, mm-hmm. in, uh, coming out of the Second World War. So actually, a lot of the look of things and the machinery and the stuff we were kind of immersed in in the seventies and eighties and nineties would have exactly those same roots. And certainly, right. the, I used to work at this place called the Applied Psychology Unit in Cambridge, which started completely to do research to help sort of the Allied work in the, during the Second World War and sort of understand behaviour in that. And they actually kept sailors in the basement and they would bring them out to do experiments on them and then well, put they, them back into the basement. They actually had kept, sailors were... Living sent there. there? Living, well, they were, they were sent there during... They were, they were on duty. Right. But their duty was to go and be experimented upon in this Cambridge facility. Wow. And I always felt like the British sea power should be... Should be telling the story. But they should definitely play the applied psychology unit in Cambridge. That would be. That yeah, would be yeah. And they would yeah, happily. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure you know if they're listening. I'm sure we can make <laughs> make this happen. Make, just don't don't go to that Welsh bridge because that's <laughs> no, where that's, that's, the that's end where careers end. <laughs> well, I think there are sort of seven albums in now, and oh, I don't okay. know whether Kajigugu made it past one. Did I don't they? think so. I don't think so. Well, look, thank you so much, you two. Um, it never ceases to surprise me what stories inhabit these cards. Um, the secrets that come from the cards are extraordinary and odd and occasionally frightening. Um, and I'm thrilled that you share them with us and our loyal band of postcard podcast listeners. Um, another reminder for everyone at home, images of all these cards will be on the blog. So you can see them and you can look at them and you can see if we were accurate in our descriptions. You can touch the monkey as well, yes. probably. If it's yeah, touch be. the virtual monkey. Yeah, you can That's very popular touch now. the monkey. <laughs> um, uh, I've got one more postcard for both of you. I don't know if you have seen one of these before. Have uh, a look well, at that. Lady. Have a look a at that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Can you play it? Well, we could uh, we could see. Uh, could you, you have the powers of description, Matthew. What what do you make of this? Um, so there is um, okay. So it's an A five postcard of a woman in a bikini, and uh, right where the nipple on her left breast would be is a hole about the size of uh, the hole in the middle of a record, a vinyl record. And well, then by the, a coincidence, but by pure coincidence, um, it does does draw the eye and it seems to have a sort of circular imprint around the side of it which but it's not like vinyl grooves well but maybe it plays on some sort of machine oh hang on it is our feeder foxtrot text und music von erberhard storch <laughs> and it's telling you how to play it there isn't it so you do play it on 45 rpm Shall we see if we can do it? David's been sitting there yeah. very, very politely there? waiting, and we may have the technology to make this happen. This is an extraordinary. It's beautiful. I want it. Oh, can you get a crackle? Yeah. <laughs> this is the best thing. Yeah. Wow, I'm going to buy some. It's fantastic. It's amazing, isn't it? 
absolutely beautiful. You need that big rumble of the, yeah, one, each single revolution. <laughs> it's no scratches. We're okay, though. I mean, there's some crackles, but yeah. that's to be expected because it's on card. As the organ plays and the swimsuited young lady continues to rotate at exactly 45 revolutions per minute, her quizzical look unchanging and unchangeable, it's time for us to say also, our feeder Zane. So that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Sophie Scott and Matthew Horn. Thank you both. Thank you very much for having and us. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. Hab ich dich gar zu gern bei mir. Leider musst du schon gehen. Ein Wort zum You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.